once again into the soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 98. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. And we're also here to remind you, it's coming. It's official. Oh, it's on. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily on podcast form. On simulcast on my YouTube, Max Bretos. Special guests, live streams. It is going to be fantastic. I am going to be a cadaver after all of this as I will be watching all the games in case you can't watch them and break it all down. We'll have betting tips. We will have identified every important story. And we'll also have very close coverage of the USA, Canada, and Mexico. Maybe even some Costa Rica. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Coming your way beginning on November the 19th, just days from now. Your one-stop shopping. You'll be listening to a lot of podcasts, I'm sure, but we're pretty sure you're going to want to listen to this one. It will be concise, short, sweet. You will listen to it, and the next day at the water cooler, you will know more than everybody else. Today, on the business end, I will be joined by the other half of Caught Offside, the number one podcast in soccer in the United States. It's incredible, but J.J. Devaney, and I want to apologize to J.J. I was calling him Devaney when he was on the show a month ago or so. And now we're going to have his partner, Andrew Gundling, join us, and we will discuss his disappointment over the weekend with the Philadelphia Union, my elation with LAFC, what has been dubbed the greatest MLS game, not MLS Cup Final, greatest MLS game of all time. I'll also give you my thoughts about that, what it has meant to me, five years covering LAFC, and what this journey's been like, and what my game day was like. I think you'll find it pretty interesting. With Andrew, we will be discussing the World Cup. We'll be discussing the U.S. men's national team roster, which will be dropped here on Wednesday. Who uh, should be in it? Who won't be in it? We'll also discuss the Champions League draw that just came out, some incredible matchups, which we will delve into. So we'll have it all covered because this, I woke up Monday morning and I said, this is the busiest soccer window I have ever encountered with the looming World Cup, with the European leagues forced to shove 15 rounds of action into six weeks with the culmination of the MLS season, with the Champions League draw, the CONCACAF Champions League draw. I mean, it's it's uh, it's unbelievable. I, I don't know how we're all upright. I, I, I can't tweet because I don't know what to tweet about other than LAFC recently. So we won't have stoppage time because in the, the week coming up, we will have a special podcast where we'll break down the U.S. roster. Also check out the Soccer OG under my YouTube. We'll have a roster breakdown and we'll continue to discuss everything around the U.S. men's national team and the World Cup. So much to get covered on. What did I say that right? So much to cover. Put too many words in there. The Soccer OG, let's get started. are back here and uh, a lot to get into. I wanted to wait. I usually send this out Sunday night, Monday morning, but with the draws of the Champions League, I wanted to give it a beat. And it was worth the wait. PSG versus Bayern, Real Madrid, Liverpool, 
Borussia Dortmund versus Chelsea, which has a very important American storyline as it will be Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, knock on wood. They are healthy and ready to go. Some incredible stories. This is going to be a different Champions League. You look at the draw already and some teams that weren't expected to win their group won their group. I think it was very tightly contested between the top two teams in a lot of groups. The uh, back, the emergence a little bit of some of the Italian teams. You have three Italian sides in the round of 16. The only one missing is Juventus. So this could go in a lot of directions. I know we all want to say it's going to be the same teams at the end, but with Real Madrid playing Liverpool and Bayern Munich playing PSG, we already know that four of the teams that you would put on the top line of about seven teams that could win it, two of them are going home. Facts. And that's going to open it up. Something, this is going to be a different Champions League knockouts. I have felt it. It doesn't feel so super leaguey with, uh, you know, some surprise teams. I mean, you have the two, we mentioned the Italian teams. I'm not diminishing the city, ah, but they haven't had a season like this. They've been very farmery in their leagues. You know, they've been off the back wheel of the Premier League and La Liga for some time. The two Portuguese teams, Club Bruges, what to expect. So uh, it's going to be fun. And we'll get into that early on in 2023. But we got to focus on the task at hand with all this other action that's going on right now. Incredible weekend, too. Lots of rivalry games. And we wonder where these clubs are thinking as they are, you know, none of them's looking, no one's looking super triumphant. They're all laboring, whether it's Manchester City or uh, Real Madrid, who lost to Rio Vallecano. Um, you know, Barcelona have their, their issues. They won, but it was, you know, they had to grind it out the end of. The uh, the end of the Gerard Piquet era, and uh, even PSG. They, I mean, they had their hands full with Lorient. So um, uh, Bayern Munich keeps plugging along. But I, it's this is such a bizarre run in because everyone has to squeeze all these games in, and they have another round. There's some midweeks. There's a cup game. There's EFL Cup games. Why? By the way, Major League Soccer may have got it all right by. Uh, Finishing the weekend they did. And now they've like, granted, a lot of the players that are playing on the national teams are, uh, uh, may have been out of the playoffs for a bit. But if you were Kellen Acosta or Jose Cifuentes, who plays for Ecuador, this is perfect. You have two weeks to get ready for the World Cup. You don't want a month, but you don't want one week. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. Some of these guys are going to play on Saturday of the week and they're going to jump on a plane and go to Qatar, meet their guys and go, let's go, World Cup time. I will say for the viewers... It's going to be pretty special because there is no uh, build-up. Build-ups are boring. When they have the Super Bowl and there's a two-week build-up, they run out of things to talk about. They have that media row thing, which is absolutely abominable. And you have stories. They just try to connect the dots. You're like, just play the game. And we do that with the World Cup, and we'll throw out every story, and it, it gets it's a bore. But I like it that way. I wanted to go back that way. But for one edition only, we're going to have this. Hey, the World Cup's here. We're going to wake up and it's, we're going to be watching games. So enjoy it for what it's worth. As weird as this World Cup has been, as much of a burden it has put on clubs, players, coaches, everyone. Announcers, people in the industry. I did want to talk about uh, my experience with LAFC. So I was hired by the club. I, uh, I was at ESPN. And I wanted to get back in soccer, and I wanted to come back to Los Angeles, the city I, I, I love, the city where I met my wife, the city where my son was born. 
And by the way, my son's 13. And when your kids get older, I got to tell you something. One minute you're walking by and they're looking at Pokemon cards. And then today we're walking by and he checked out a girl. I was like, that was a quick ride. I missed the Pokemon, I got to say. But we're embracing the next stage. But for people who've had kids, they've known it all the time. And they've all gone through it. I kind of went through it for the first time this week. I went, whoa. (laughs) The look back (laughs) was interesting. But Los Angeles is very special to me. My best friends are here. And it's a city uh, that I will, if there was a battle of the cities, I would fight for Los Angeles. All due respect to my hometown, Miami, I would fight for Los Angeles. I hope there is no battle of the cities. I don't want that. That would be pretty gnarly. Probably wouldn't last very long in warfare of the cities. Some of the smaller cities would probably, like Stockton, you don't want to mess with Stockton. That's a tough town. They might get all uppity and have a big upset over a San Francisco or something. So I wanted this job. And as I've said in past broadcasts, I did everything in my power to get it. I would take flights out to LA to meet with Tom Penn, who was the president at the time, and just ask questions, and I would be a nuisance. So I got it. And at the time, I wanted to kind of leave ESPN because there was a bunch of layoffs. It was getting, I mean, I, I love the time I spent there, but I was like, I've, it's time to move on. They haven't blessed me as a made person to be one of their top, top anchors. So I could live in that second tier, which is good. I was making great money, but I wanted to get back in soccer and I wanted to come back to LA. I just wanted to get back in soccer, almost anything. I wanted uh, something new and working for a club, I didn't know what that was going to look like. So I got the job, moved the family back out here, and for five years grew with this team, which had an incredible start. So they had that close call in 2019. They had some great moments. And this year, made the playoffs, won the Supporter Shield, a rebolstered team. They navigated through the playoffs, beat the LA Galaxy in a famous game, then ripped through Austin FC in the Western Conference Final, setting up this dream final with the Philadelphia Union, which we knew was going to be amazing, but exceeded all expectations because these are the top two teams. And we'll talk about it with Andrew Gundling on Caught Offside. Stick around that. The business end. We'll get there in a few minutes. But um, it was going to be something special we knew, but we had no idea what was in store. So for the last two weeks, I've been going to local newscasts, uh, pumping it up, we were there at Union Station for the arrival of MLS Cup. You know, I, I go to all the MLS events. And the week of, so I worked for Combate Global, MMA company. So I did Monday through Thursday on LAFC's, um, I, I was on my LAFC duty. So, you know, I had this obligation. Plus, uh, I wanted to complete my my those obligations for Combate Global. So we do it on a Friday and the game was Saturday, Saturday at one o'clock in LA. So I take what I usually take the red eye. Just want to let you know, kids, this is what you got to do sometimes. It ain't glamorous. I got on the Thursday red eye. I get to Miami to call the fights. I get there Friday morning. I clean up. I take a nap. I have breakfast with my mom at Enriquetas. Uh, in the Winwood area, I have La Caballo, the, the Caballo breakfast, and that's steak and ham, and I have it with salad. Usually it's with French fries and some eggs. Then I have Cuban coffee, and I go to the hotel, take a nap. Then I wake up, iron my clothes, go for a little run, go to the studio. I'm done. 
around midnight. I go back to the hotel. I sleep for two hours, if that. Jump on a flight like 5.30, come back to LA and arrive around 8.30 in the morning. Get in, shower, take the bus because there was no parking because USC had all the parking. Take a bus with my wife to the stadium and get ready. And I walk through those doors. It's the greatest place for me. Everyone is so warm. Uh, because of the work that you've done with LAFC, they they come up and they embrace you. They ask for a photo or an autograph or what have you. Everyone knows I'm like Norm at Cheers there. It's the best feeling. This club, which always say they're a family and they take care of you, they really do. You know, I went through some harrowing things at past uh, employers and I've never been treated as well as I have here. Uh, there's a lot of respect and they uh, admire what I do and I make way for what they're able to do and it works out great. Now we have this Apple deal. The plan is to stay with LAFC and still work there while working Apple with MLS. Still haven't heard anything, but we hope to hear something very soon, <laughs> maybe before the season starts. So I was pretty tired as as is. And then uh, the game was amazing. So I walk into all the suites and there is, you know, you can see Justin Bieber's over there. Sia, I said hi to Sia. I high-fived Sia on her way out in this incredible gown. Uh, we have so many incredible celebrities. I saw Be Real. I said hello to him of Cypress Hill. Uh, there is uh, just a lot of super fans that are being there, and there's more and more coming. Owen Wilson's been there. Obviously, we have Will Ferrell. It's really remarkable. But you had the MLS folks there, so I went there. There was a suite where the U.S. men's national team folks were, and it was Ernie Stewart said hi to Brian McBride, and Jay Berhalter, I was talking to Landon Donovan. So it was incredible, just going and having conversation after conversation. I was very spent by the end of it because of this. I spread myself too thin. I know that now. So watch the first half in the suite with the U.S. Uh, soccer folks. Halftime was with ESPN 710 Radio with Mark Rogandino, Dave Tenholm. Did a halftime hit with them. Sat for a little bit. Then I go to the sunset deck where my wife was and a bunch of some friends and we're all watching the game, some employees here. And it was just... It was bizarre. I mean, there was moments where you wanted to cry. There was moments where I will I will talk with Andrew about where I was physically sick. And we had this thing planned for Sunday. It was a celebration party next to the stadium where there were going to be double-decker buses for the players lifting the trophy. So they go up. Was it the 82nd minute? LAFC are up. Thanks to the goal by Jesus Murillo. Engrave the trophy. A few minutes later, set piece. Uh, Jack Elliott ties it. 85th. Heads go down. Like, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So then the game goes into extra time, which I predicted. I predicted. My prediction was, if you can recall, the game would go into extra time and somebody off the bench for LAFC would win it. And I didn't say Gareth Bale, but I was thinking Gareth Bale. He comes into the game. The back pass then happens from Jesus Murillo Goes to Maxime Crepeau. He can't get up with it. Uh, gets tangled up. He breaks his leg. Pretty bad break. Waves on the crew. People in the stadium heard the break. Uh, it was another layer of just emotional, uh, just a complete push of all your emotions. That happens. The John McCarthy situation arises. We found out later that he was going to come and face the penalties regardless, but then he faces them. After seeing his his best bud, Maxime Crepeau, and I can attest to it, 
that those two guys are extremely close. They are inseparable at training. John McCarthy joined this club uh, knowing full well he was going to be the backup. And this is the crazy part. They were going to use him. They brought him in here because he was good for penalties. So John Thorrington, the general manager, deep in his mind, when he made this signing back in February, was probably thinking that he might use this guy as a fill-in for Maxime Crapeau in penalties in a playoff game. And it happened to occur in MLS Cup Final. Can we put that into your system if you can? So there's another up and down. We I, I can't take it. No one in the stadium can take it. We're like all beside ourselves. Then uh, Jack Elliott scores. Scrappy goal right after John McCarthy came in. It was it, Because of the injury to Maxime Crapeau, there was a lot of stoppage time. I got to tell you, as bad as the break of the leg was, he was off the field and waving at the fans in no time. I mean, that could have been that should be a 30-minute delay where you're making sure that his leg is secure, but he helped accelerate it. That's a tough dude. So they go up, and then three minutes later, was it the 128th minute or what have you, Gareth Bale, with this incredible athletic play, skies above everyone. He looked like Michael Jordan. Heads in the equalizer. An incredible run by Chiqui Palacios, who really made this happen. And then we know we're going to penalties. At that point, the place is celebrating, but we're like, oh, we got to face penalties still against the best goalkeeper in the league, Andre Blake. What I learned then was I was still very uh, insecure um, and doubting the fact that they were going to win it. And I said, are we going to have this incredible goal and then lose in penalties? But what I realized after the fact is when Gareth Bale scored that goal, LAFC won the cup because Philadelphia were so close to winning it. I went to my hat off to the Philadelphia Union. They were fantastic, so brave, so gallant, and were a big part why this is the greatest MLS Cup game of all time. We'll be watching it over and over again. But when Gareth Bale scores that goal, that team dropped. And after watching the game a second time, I realized what I was watching. You know, Christian Teo missed the first penalty for LAFC. And then Daniel Gazdag, by the way, they had to take the penalty shootout facing the 32-52, the rabid north end of the stadium. Gazdag skied it. Uh, There's some people, the 32-52. Mo Fascio uh, was the vice president of the 32-52 who he lost during COVID. Many thought that was his spirit lifting that ball away from the goal. And I don't doubt that for a second because it felt like that. Philadelphia missed all four of their penalties. The only way, and John McCarthy was spectacular and made the saves, but the only way you can really compartmentalize that is saying that Philadelphia had waved the white flag heading into penalties. Their keeper wasn't going to make the saves, and their players weren't going to make the pens. Gareth Bale essentially won that game. How could Philadelphia pick themselves up? How could they? Just an incredible game. So, so many inc- moments that I had, and I'm very close to the players. So, uh, I wanted to tell you about a moment that occurred when we were down there and the trophy, post, there was a little post party in the field club level. We were all out on the field. Maxime Crapo's dad comes up to me, Remy C- uh, Crapo, 
And he goes, I just want to introduce myself. Um, thank you for what you've done. He said all these incredible things to me. And I go, I am so sorry. I know your son was headed to the World Cup. He's not going. I'm just devastated. He goes, look, this is what he wanted. He wanted to be part of this. And he is so happy to be with this club and around people like you. And I'm just like melting going, oh. And Remy Crapo, let me tell you, this is, uh, this is a proper Quebecer. This is a guy. This is salt of the earth, st- stout, just figure of a man. And by the way, I also spoke to John McCarthy's dad, who is another incredible dude who came in was like, I just want to embrace somebody. We're all hugging each other like little school kids. So later that night I was at home. I couldn't party because I was just emotionally drained. I had a couple tequilas at home and I DM'd Maxime. He was in the hospital. I go, what am I doing? And I'm like, Maxime, uh, I met your dad. You have such an incredible support system, man. Get well soon. Something like that. He writes back to me in like five minutes. He goes, Max, we won the cup. <laughs> it gets me emotional when I think about the relationships and the people involved. And it, it reinforced everything on... Why I wanted to join this club. And it's the people. It's being close to these people. It's being all on the ride with these people. And I feel I have friends. I feel I have new family. That's what I felt like when I meet these parents and these children and all those connected to the club. And it is so fulfilling. I got to host a celebration the next day. And... For the years I've covered MLS and there was nobody supporting these teams, we're there in Exposition Park and there's 5,000 people, at least 5,000. And there was more on the side waiting to see this team lift the trophy. Did want to say, sorry, got a little emotional, but I did want to say there was a moment where I'm emceeing it and I, I try to get to the side of the stage and there's a wall of speakers above me and the whole team is jumping. They're popping champagne. I'm jumping and my head hits the bottom speaker really hard. I black out for a second. I'm still on my feet. I'm groggy. I'm getting my legs. I look over. I had almost fallen over the front of the stage. And I'm thinking at that point, the story of this celebration could have shifted between triumph for LAFC to idiot announcer falls off the front of the stage. It was that close. I got a concussion check from one of the LAFC doctors in the back just to further emphasize how good hands that I'm in. I, uh, I am eternally grateful to this club. I don't know what next year is going to look like, but I, am, I won't forget these two days forever. And I'll remember everyone. I want to stay as close as possible. Um, and uh, meeting the dads, and spending some time with Maxime's wife on Sunday. And it was just truly remarkable. And spending time with the people that you work with and celebrating a championship because it's everyone's championship. And I posted a, a video of me celebrating with my wife on Instagram, Embretos, if you want to see it. And Steve Chirundolo, the coach, comes up and says, I really like that video, man. It was real. And I go, I kind of, it was a bit contrived. I knew something was going to happen and I wanted to celebrate it. But he said it was perfect. So that's the kind of people I work with at LAFC. That's why I'm so happy that they won this trophy. And 
I am personally and professionally in the best headspace I have been, I think, ever. So I'm so glad I had that moment. By the way, about the teams I support, Florida State football has won a couple titles, but my pro teams are terrible. I don't get to see them celebrate. So this was very, very special for me. So thank you for everyone. I know we're not all LAFC fans, but I figured I was involved that, so I'd give you a look in behind the curtain of what went on, where, uh, you know, there was a story where I actually vomited in my mouth. I'll tell that a little bit more. I spoke with that with Andrew. So there was a lot of ranges of emotion during this game. Enough of my yapping. Remember, Soccer OG World Cup Daily coming November 19th. Every day simulcast on my podcast on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We'll have some live streams. Stick around for that. But right now, it is the business end. I will be joined from joined by Andrew Gundling, co-host of Caught Offside, the number one soccer podcast in the, I was going to say in the world, in North America. We'll be right back. We are back. Time now for the uh, business end, and uh, we'll have a, a, a completion here. A few weeks ago, we had J.J. Devaney, and I feel terrible because I kept calling him J.J. Devaney. I'm sure I'm not the first, but uh, I'll, Andrew Gunling is here, and uh, I, he could probably shed some light on that. From caught offside, by the way, before we get to any pronunciations, did I see that correctly? Are you the number one soccer pod now? You're up there with the NFL pods, the big NBA pods. I I saw that too. I I almost have to believe that that list was doctored in some way. It doesn't. I don't. I don't quite understand the algorithms. I'll take it. I saw that our podcast was uh, was rated very high on Spotify and Apple. That's that's awesome. It's amazing. I I don't get how it happened, but uh, but yeah, I'll I'll take it. Sure. Well, uh, Andrew, the only one who would doctor it is you or JJ. So if it wasn't you guys, then you're in the clear. That is yeah. legit data. There's a, people are tuning of, in. Uh, unless we have some sort of mole in uh, the inner workings of, of these companies yeah. up in the, the higher ups of Apple. Well, if you got one, if you could pass it on to me, I'd appreciate it highly. Well, well, I'm, not, I'm not above doctoring anything if I had the, if I had the ability to do so. And I, I was on there and, he, and I said in our podcast that the show gets like 15, 20,000 pods. And, and JJ was like, no, nah, man, we're obviously with those numbers, but it's incredible. And uh, as I told him, it's, it's inspiring to see that and two good people coming together and putting hard work in and having a good product because people have been coming back. How long have you guys been on, on the air for? So we started um, in April of 2014. So what is that? About eight and a half years, I guess it is. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, initially it was um, a project that was kind of put together. ESPN had the rights to the World Cup. Uh, at the time I was working at ESPN in New York, it was an initiative of theirs, you know, different branches of ESPN around the country. We want to push the World Cup. And so my boss at ESPN at the time said, hey, I know that you're you're love soccer and you follow this thing religiously. What do you think about doing a podcast? I know a guy uh, who's been coaching a little bit who would love to do one, too. And that was it. He put us together for that. I don't know that it was originally even supposed to extend beyond that World Cup, but we both loved doing it. Our chemistry, we clicked right away. We we're great friends almost immediately. Um, it did, I, whatever, I don't know what the expectations were. They probably didn't think anybody was going to listen, but like uh, some people did. So they thought, all right. And so, you know, and from there it kind of, it snowballed and eventually ESPN's 
kind of main pod center network picked us up. Um, they put us on the, the SPNFC channel, which was huge for our visibility for the podcast. And I think, you know, a lot of listeners kind of caught on to us from, from that Avenue. And, um, and yeah, here we are. Now we've gone independent. We've broken off from the mothership and we're, uh, going to try to to go it alone and, and see where this where this thing can take us well that's exciting and jj and by i'm not the first to mispronounce his name he didn't say it once during the pod but i must have called him devaney four or five times i mean you're one of i think that is probably the more like i've seen that name before in the united states and i feel like that's kind of the americanized way of saying it but he's he's you know he's irish through and through so he's going to stick to that pronunciation but he is polite though he, he didn't correct you Speaking of Ireland, have you seen, I think it's a limited release, The Banshees of Inishirin with uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell? I've seen the commercials for it, but I have not actually seen it. I, I recommend seeing it, but it is a freaking weird movie. In a good uh, way? It, in a good way. I mean, it's different. And I think the through line, it's just about being bored, which is not a good premise for a movie. <laughs> This is people that are so bored that they do incredible, incredibly crazy things. And I won't shed more onto it. And I, I'm sure that the people who made the movie are like, well, that's not going to get people into the theaters. But I think that's what it's about. But it's, it's like odd, odd in I mean, a good way. You've got to watch it. Yeah. yeah. The idea of Seinfeld, let's make a show about nothing. Like you're not going to you're not going to win over executives with that explanation. But if you can pull it off, then it's brilliant. Brilliant. And well, I, I'm glad you're on here, Andrew, because there is. I, I, I woke up Monday and realized there's so much going on. We have the World Cup in two weeks. We had the Champions League draw in the morning. We had the CONCACAF Champions League draw. We had an incredible weekend with a ton of uh, big games, rivalry games. And then we have players starting to make the uh, World Cup. So uh, there's a lot to cover. I don't know how much we're going to cover it, but I did want to start, give you my condolences. I listened to your podcast. And I felt bad because I'm in this euphoria of LAFC working for the club. And then I heard yours and I saw the other side of it, mm -hmm. not only being a Philadelphia sports fan, but being all in on the union. I mean, that's a passion for you, which is great to hear that people, you know, when you talk about American sports and anytime an MLS team comes up, I'm sure they happened all, all a lot here with Philadelphia and they mentioned the Phillies and the Eagles and the Sixers. And then they don't mention the union or whatever city it is. There was a joke about someone in there's a newscaster and they go, what about the union? And they thought they were talking about textile workers. So it was uh, it wasn't you. But I heard that and I, I it kind of brought me down. And I, I, I don't think that's ever happened. Having two teams lose games of that magnitude, not only in the same day, but on the same network. Right. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like they handed one off. Fox handed it from MLS to the MLB. So you got a big heaping uh, of it yeah. <laughs> over us. That must have. I am. I know what it's like to be a sports fan. I just want to say, my I respect and uh, I empathize with what you've been through because I've never gone. I've never really had teams do well. So, uh, well, that's I, that's very nice of you. Um, and congratulations to to you and your team. I've got no. I got no issues with LAFC. They're brilliant and they're fun to watch. And uh, I mean, props to them. Like a, a deserved title, supporter shield, MLS Cup winner. Uh, not an easy thing to do deserving super deserving it was i mean look it was that game was the stuff of legend it was like i mean that's, like, we, we could see it from both sides here but it was just unbelievable i'd love to hear how you viewed it, it obviously not as a neutral it was hor horrifying 
Yeah, it, was it wasn't good for me. Experience. By the way, Andrew, it wasn't good for me. I mean, I I had to dig. I'm being a little gross here, but obviously there was moments where you want to cry, or I had to dig vomit outside of that area between my teeth because mm. it was getting so intense. And I I put it on a. This is terrible to say this. Oh, go on. Put it on my finger, and I kind of flicked it away because it was just too much to take on the floor there. And I, later, I got a napkin. It was a little bit, but it was still disgusting. But that was the that was the reaction I got. I mean, it, it was, I suppose it was that kind of game. Um, you know, like when the game was over or as I don't even think it was over yet. It, it was sort of as it was transpiring. I think it was in the break between extra time as they were getting ready for penalties. And, you know, they go back to Alexi and the crew and, and Alexi Lala said right then and there that this is the greatest MLS cup final that's ever been played. And John strong, I think rightly so was quick to cut him off and say, I got to stop you there, Alexi. This is, this is not the greatest MLS cup final. This is the greatest MLS game that we've seen now look i can't go chapter and verse like some people can of of what else would be on that list but if you just think it if you just kind of think it through in the context of of that game the two you know it's very rare i think that we get an mls cup final where it's it's pretty much unanimous you're getting the two best teams in the league that year you know oftentimes a a one-off postseason even when it was two legs that's you know it's fun and exciting but it's not always going to give you one and two in the league this, this time around, we got it. You get the two best teams in the league, um, unquestionably, you know, talent everywhere. I think what makes it even more compelling is that it's two teams that are both, you know, of, of relatively equal talent and skill, but who go about their business in completely opposite ways. That makes it fascinating in itself. It's kind of this living proof right in front of you that there's multiple ways of doing this. There's no, there's no right way or wrong way. Um, and then the game itself, goals, you know, like late drama, uh, you know, the personalities scores, involved. Yeah. Fail it's... Coming on to score the, the equalize, like the union score, the latest goal in MLS history only to then immediately turn around and concede the new latest goal in MLS history. Like it's, it's crazy stuff, a wild penalty shootout where a former union player, a kid, a guy who, who's from Philly, who even said after the game, he wished that it happened against another team because he still has love for, for the union. Yeah, you know, he comes on as a sub for an injured goalkeeper who's red carded late, breaks his leg. I mean, it's just drama at every turn. It was, I mean, it was a thrill ride as it was transpiring. And it's one of those games where when it's all said and done and the dust settles, you just kind of hope you're on the right side of history. LAFC were, the union weren't. It's a tough one to take, but I mean, for a neutral, my God, what a what an incredible advertisement for the league. Oof, it was we did a uh, we did a, our, our daily podcast the week of MLS Cup and we had John McCarthy the goalkeeper and he had a Philly shirt on. I mean, and I, I can only imagine. I didn't ask talk to him. I talked to him after the game. I didn't ask him this. I spoke to his dad as well, who is a mountain of a man and just a delightful human being. But I'm pretty sure after winning that and celebrating his friends, he sat somewhere and watched the Astros Phillies game, and then it just tilted to this euphoria to some disappointment, which he had to overcome and then get back to the euphoric side. But that's pretty much how his evening went. I love what you said about the two clubs and how they were, they do it in distinct ways and they didn't budge. I did think LAFC budged a little bit when you see Philadelphia get this possession, maybe an alteration, maybe some, uh, some sort of game plan, but that was uh, interesting, but we already knew it was going to be a good final because for the first time in 19 years, we had the two best teams there and they had been the two best teams 
most of the all the season. You know, Montreal kind of came up on Philadelphia for a little bit, but these are kind of like clearly defined best teams since summer. New uh, got a little bit on their back tire, but not too close. But I sports are amazing, man. And that was, I mean, to witness that it's it's at the top of my list. And I I think of Jack Elliott, who uh, you know whose life would have changed. You know, it's to get these two goals and the latest goal ever, which would have been a huge storyline as it is. Instead, he gets beat on the Gareth Bale goal and is now on these posterized uh, videos that have gone viral. And it's so cruel. And I just think to it, I, I love what the union have done. And I hope we get this final again in a CONCACAF Champions League. I looked at the bracket. It could be a semifinal. And by the looks of the bracket, they'd be favored to make it that far. But maybe the MLS Cup final. And I just hope, you know, as, as people in Los Angeles are over the moon and everyone talks about bail and, and LFC that Phil, Philadelphia union gets some credit for being part of that. Cause it was pretty, it's pretty remarkable. And I just, more of, I think of it. And just the fact that days go by that you would think about this game and um, you would circle back to see if it actually happened. Cause it was that good. Yeah, it, you're right. It was kind of a, a pinch me final. It's one of those, you know, we talked about it on, on caught offside on our podcast that it's, yeah, it's one of those finals that you get sometimes in a sport that that can come to define an era. Um, and I think this is one of those generational games that, you know, when you when you put together an MLS history book, what you're deciding what to put on the cover, you might put a picture of Bale rising up for that header. I mean, that was it was just that kind of game. And yeah, I mean, the way the two teams have gone about building this is fascinating. And, and what you said there is interesting to me, th- this idea of could they meet again? Um, I find that so interesting because it is it's this thing that we all get sucked into in any sport after a great final between two great teams you you kind of do walk away with it from it with this feeling of okay well that maybe that's only chapter one like it feels like these two teams are uh are destined for another for a rematch of some sort but it's hard and they're gonna look different um you know i i think about the union i think you know obviously it sounds like paxton aronson will be leaving it seems like kai wagner uh, probably will be leaving um, for Europe. I'm sure you know there could be others, but they're a club that have this unbelievable structure in place. LAFC, the same thing. So you know it's hard to make those predictions, but I I don't know. I'll get sucked into it right now, and I'll say it, it wouldn't it would not stun me if we saw these two meet again. Uh, nor I, and I think LAFC is facing that too. There's going to be some turnover by necessity because I think there's the whole. Chicho Arango, Gareth Bale, how or who gets that third DP? Christian Teo's under that designation. He's not under uh, contract. We'll see. I, I, I'm sure they didn't bring him in for just a couple months, and he didn't come all the way here to play for a couple months. So there's a lot of moving parts, but I hope so. That'd be great for the league because I I know I get prisoner of the moment, and I go, this is going to be the game that gets MLS into the bloodstream of the American soccer fan, and it's not. It's such a slow burn, but it doesn't hurt. And uh, I hope we can it, it can be used in a right way where, uh, you know, obviously moving to this new Apple TV deal. And it, it's such it was it, it's you need these important games. I think you've seen it through the history of sports in, in the growth of the NFL, the NBA, you know, the NBA, uh, you know, you go back to the 50s and 60s. It wasn't really popular. And then you get Celtics, Lakers, this kind of stuff. And by the way, that I, I kind of answered the question. It's such a, this league is so young. It's going to take a while, but this sure. helps a whole lot more than it would ever hurt or be the same old, same old. Well, I'll say this about it. Um, you know, I think when, when you talk about the the progress of popularity of the sport in this country, you know, it's, 
it's small gains, small gains, and then something big happens that you hope brings a lot of people into the fold. I think, you know, 94, that World Cup brought a lot of people into the fold. And then it's small gains, small gains. You get to 2002, that World Cup, the U.S. beating Mexico, getting to a quarterfinal, nearly beating Germany. That brought a lot of new, then it's a big gain. And then small gain, and you keep going, the Donovan goal against Algeria. That So I think with a World Cup now just a couple weeks away, what an amazing springboard this was you know people will go on they'll watch sports center they'll go on youtube they'll see highlights of of this incredible game and it will for the casual fan it will put soccer on their radar in a way that now when the world cup rolls around in a couple of weeks they may be more invested in it earlier on um and so i think you know in terms of you know for this to be like the initial appetizer into a world cup i think it's this has potential to be just an incredible month month and a half for this sport in this country and you mentioned the World Cup, so maybe that's a good launching point here because this league ends. Now we have two weeks before it. There's still a full week of, of games. Not the number of Champions League, obviously. There's some Europa League, so there's some games that are still being – I'm sorry, there's no Europa League, but there are some – a busy weekend of games coming up. So we have that weekend, and then it's transition to the World Cup. So some players are going to join their teams, and uh, – some are going to basically get over there days beforehand, which is just insane to think it's about. It's crazy. I spoke, I, I was at the game and uh, I, I, I kind of pop into the suites. So I have some acts. So I go in there and there's like a U.S. national team suite. Ernie Stewart, Brian McBride, all were there. And I was talking to Jay Berhalter and I was like, hey, Jay, I was like, hey, good luck. I don't know what else to say because we know he's, you know, under the cosh right now. Maybe he, they all get, um, vindicated by a great world cup. And I don't want to, you know, people have cast a lot of doubt on the U S soccer's efforts before it hasn't had a chance to play it. And I'm not playing that game whatsoever. And I want to, I want to give them their chance, especially for one cycle. But Jay said that this is going to be the greatest world cup ever because of the nature of it, because of the fact that everyone stays in the same hotel, everyone's going to be in close quarters, the stadiums or, uh, got this state-of-the-art built for a fast track, et cetera. And all the ingredients are there to be something spectacular. Plus all the craziness beforehand probably manifests itself in the World Cup. And I think crazy is good. We're going to see some absurd things. So I kind of bought into it a little bit. But I mean, what, what do you think we're going to get? Or is it it's impossible to figure out what you're going to get? But I've, he's not the only one who said that to me. He Many have encouraged me and said, this is going to be a World Cup we're all going to remember because it's going to be so odd. And straight, things that you've never seen before will happen here that haven't happened in past World Cups. Yeah, um, I would say that he has, <laughs> I, I respect his his point of view on it. I mean, that's that is definitely the glass half full side of it. Um, and he's right. I mean, there are certainly elements of it, you know, in terms of the fan experience. I mean, what is it? It's it's a country that's roughly the size of Connecticut. So, you know, in terms of getting around, um, you know, I'm, I suppose that that will will help. Um, I don't know for, from the look, there's obviously everything around this World Cup off the field that is, you know, there have already been E60s and documentaries. And I'm sure books will be written on this for years to come in terms of, of much of that. And that is obviously a huge part of this World Cup. But in terms of the on the field stuff. Um, I don't know my, my view of it. I'm incredibly excited. The world cup is my favorite sporting event. Um, after not having the U S in it in 2018, I have, I have needed this for, for eight years. Like many of us obviously have. <laughs> Isn't that um, crazy to think that it's bonkers. It's hard to believe we did miss it because eight years kind of 
or four years flew by in this cycle to get back in it. And here we are. Um, the, the part of it that, you know, that, that Jay Bearhalter leaves out in his assessment of it that I can't help but kind of continue to focus on is just, I mean, the, the, we've already seen, like, we knew that injuries were going to play a role in this World Cup. Um, we weren't sure exactly how that was going to manifest itself. Uh, maybe they'd be minor. Maybe we'd be overblowing. Well, I mean, I think you could argue already that, no, it it has not been minor. I mean, we already are seeing really significant names that are not going to be able to participate in this World Cup. And, you know, we're really in the scary days now because I think it was um, I think it was Jamie Carragher that mentioned this. And I thought it was such a good point that he made that, you know, like. You you just mentioned we're a week out from like players leaving their team. And I'm thinking about like I think of it through the American lens. Chelsea has a, a match midweek against Man City in the Carabao Cup, and then they play Newcastle over the weekend. And it's so funny, Max, because for months, maybe even a couple of years, we've been looking at Chelsea and begging them, play Christian Pulisic. Why is this guy not starting? Now here we are. We're in the last week. Don't play him. I'm begging them. <laughs> Don't even think about it. Gio Keep him too. on the bench. Because now, like Jamie Carragher talked about, we're now at this point where, you know, it's one thing if like Miles Robinson, he suffers a ruptured Achilles. That stinks. You feel awful for the guy. It's a catastrophic injury. It makes sense that that would keep someone out of the World Cup. But like, can you imagine the feeling if Pulisic or anybody at this point tweaks a muscle, a thing that might keep a guy out for a week, two, but it's a muscle injury. So you got to be careful. We're in this window now where if it happens to someone, they're going to miss a World Cup for a, a nothing injury. Like stuff like that scares me um, as a fan of this sport, as a fan of, of this tournament in particular, where you want the maximum number of great players on display to give the tournament the maximum amount of credibility. And it'll have that. It's a World Cup. Just calling it a World Cup, you get the credibility, but you want to see the best players performing in this event. And, you know, this this happens all the time. World Cups, there's always injuries that affect it. But this one feels a little bit different to me. And I just really, really hope, especially now in this final week, that that we've seen the worst of it and that, you know, we'll get we'll get the teams over there and we'll and, and the guys who are still healthy will remain healthy. Cause I you really, you really want that desperately. It's interesting that transition. We're like, get them games, get them. Whoa, no, no more games. And I said that for all of my, at this point, you don't want any of the key guys. You don't want, uh, obviously, Weston McKinney's injured. You don't want Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson, Gio Reyna, Christian Plus. You don't want them to play at all. No. Because they're too close. You need a month off. And I, I, the prediction of the quality of the work, I think the, the crazy part of it and the, the unique aspect of playing games that close will provide uh, more drama in that sense. That said, I, I don't want to see this again. I don't want to, I want three weeks between the end of the leagues. And I know I'm not the only ones. They can't go on like this. It's absolute lunacy. I heard the Jamie Carragher take and so many other, uh, inc- and who knows how the players are approaching these games. I'm not saying that they're sandbagging it, but maybe you don't go into a, a full blooded challenge because you know, your world cup. And I, I, we saw so many players, whether they thought it was serious or not, uh, Varan, Hichalison, these guys were in tears because they knew that their World Cup is in peril, um, whether it was a series or not. And that is just uh, heartbreaking to another degree. And this is a, the crazy part to what you said is if it's a sprained ankle and it's a one week injury, usually these guys don't usually the national team managers don't bring guys with any existing injuries right. because uh, it doesn't make sense. You need cover, especially in a World Cup like this. Remember, it's three games in eight days. 
those eight days defined what whether you make the round of 16, your World Cup could be done in those eight days. So if you're out because your ankle's sore or whatever it might be, uh, that's they're not going to bring you in because they need you for the, the duration. They need everyone to be healthy. There will be guys get injured at camps, but it can't be anything compared to what we saw. And it's been, uh, I think we'll look back at this and, and say, what, what, were we, what were we doing for this? I mean, it's, it's the means to an end for this Qatar World Cup. But if we have another World Cup in an area where it's too hot to play in the summer, then you've got to figure out a different way to do it or you don't go play a World Cup in that country. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine we'll see it again. And remember, I mean, if you think back to the beginning of this, when Qatar was awarded this World Cup, there was the, oh, well, we're going to air condition the country. Like, what, what does that even mean? What is that even, what does that look Sounds like? Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it like the, what was it? The Simpsons episode where they put a dome over Springfield? Like, I mean, is that what we're talking about here? Like, so I, it always sounds. I wouldn't rule. I wouldn't put it against those Qataris for <laughs> doing that. There's and who knows the, the expense to put it up uh, human or other, which yeah. is crazy, but. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would agree with you. I don't think. If they were, if this was some kind of test case to see, okay, can this be done? Um, you know, th- this World Cup, it'll go off, and we'll all, you know, we- we'll have fun watching it. But in terms of, you know, I-, I think we, I think we've already kind of crossed that threshold where we can look at this and say, uh-uh, this, this was not the right move. And, I- and I'd be stunned if you saw something like this again. Uh, in-, in closing, I think just because these games are being played, these players are going to be in incredible form, the healthy ones. So that also helps to. Uh, create a a remarkable tournament and then the problem with that andrew what happens because i'm pretty sure messi is saying i am locked in for this world cup i'm going to be playing the very best i can i'm going to take really good care of my body i am winning this world cup with argentina when they get back to psc i'm not picking on messi here but when they get back geez you know there's going to be he needs to it's not because he's not going to want to play at premium level but it's impossible and now PSG now kind of loses in that because I am confident to say Messi's coming back. He'll probably miss a game or two and then he'll, he just can't, no one can play at the level he's playing. There's others that are doing Neymar. The others are doing the same thing and your body needs to rest. You need, uh, your mind needs to rest. So I don't even know how that's going to look like, but it's not going to be good. So even this whole world cup accelerated and winter world cup, we may not even see the worst part of it until afterwards. It's so true. Um, I think back to when we did our uh, Premier League season preview, you know, we go through a bunch of questions for the season. And one of them is just kind of, you know, like sort of like a a random thing at the end. Like, what do you think will define the season kind of thing? And even though it's not necessarily part of a Premier League season, we we said this World Cup is going to define the season in ways that are hard for us to conceptualize at this point. Part of it for what you say, guys are going to you know, they're going to expend all kinds of energy. Guys are going to get hurt at this tournament. And it's, you know, you don't know what you're going to be getting when these players come back to their club teams. But the hard part for me, that's kind of difficult to quantify is, okay, so you're going to have this tournament, which for a lot of these guys is sort of, you know, the culmination of their professional life. I mean, we can club teams, they pay the bills, they mean everything to these players, but I mean, taking part in a world cup for your country is something that I think rises to a different level. Like you, you mentioned Richarlison. I saw the video of him today, finding out that he made the Brazilian squad and just like the raw emotion uh, to have been picked for that. I mean, this is, you know, for a lot of these guys, this is, this is the recognizing of a, of a true lifelong dream. And so the part that I can't 
that you can't quantify is okay when it's over and they have to go right from that this emotional high that they've been riding through this and then it's back to kind of the mid-season malaise of club football like mentally can a player just flick the switch and be the same guy i mean so like the physical element is certainly part of it but mentally i wonder what are we going to be getting back and you mentioned messi i wonder if psg a club like that can almost approach it and say you know you come back we'll be okay we'll win this league take your time just be ready for when the champions league rolls back around in february and like psg can do that but you know can can chelsea can tottenham i mean um so it's the impact of this world cup it's it has tentacles everywhere and it's it'll be fascinating to see how it affects the remainder of the club season it's going to compromise it. There's no doubt about it. And it may benefit the club like PSG in the big picture of things. Uh, it's, it's just so fascinating and, and it's infuriating, but it's, uh, you know, and, and as you say, at the end of the day, these clubs, these players make a living through the clubs. They make money for playing in the world cup, but it's nothing compared to what they do uh, on a nine to five basis, just using coining that phrase with their clubs. And I, I, there's going to be some big conversations about this. You know, who knows if they there's something that's stipulated in contracts or if there ever was something like this again. Uh, but it's, you know, I feel bad for these clubs. I feel, I really do because they are they're on the hook for it because FIFA goes, hey, we'll have our tournament. OK, it's over. Uh, your problem now. And it's not right. But uh, <laughs> here we are. Um, I will ask you, USA, and I've followed you talking about I know we're, we have different levels of um concern and nervousness and this roster is going to be announced wednesday at five o'clock eastern there's already stories breaking of guys that have been informed of it and it's probably easy to follow because if they're going to the world cup they're getting on a plane they'll be seen at an airport somewhere and they are going to be flying to join their national team wherever their camp is in summer in europe i know uh the Ecuadorian players at LAFC are now in Spain and will eventually get to Qatar. Some go to Qatar directly. I mean, we're again, we're two, 11 days away. So uh, it's uh, it's probably easy to do the, the footwork if you're out there and there's those guys that break stories. But um, we'll know soon enough. We'll all know who it is. I, I'm pretty sure the roster is pretty well defined. I, I can't imagine Greg Berhalter is going to shock us with a guy that hasn't been in the camp. It's kind of just a it's kind of a, a jerk move for guys who've been called in repeatedly to say, okay, now at the final, not final hurdle here, you're not going changes uh, injuries, that kind of thing, obviously are, are a unique circumstance that will change the way you build your roster. But I, what you see is what you get. So I feel pretty good. I think um, expectation wise, I would set it at quarterfinals realistic if they go further than that. Disappointments, obviously, three and out without winning a game. or uh, And anything in between is certainly possible. Uh, I have, I think, uh, you know, the, the it's a very tough group because the FIFA rankings, I know we don't really pay much attention to, but they, they're actually pretty valid nowadays. They're a little more accurate than they used to be. And then USA is, I think, 16, and then Wales is right behind it, and Iran are all in, like, the top 24, 25. So it wouldn't be far-fetched for any of those to get through. But you look at some of the Vegas odds, and they all seem the U.S. are going to get through. I know we have concerns defensively. We have concerns at goalkeeper. I tend to think that they will keep the goal tallies down. I think as a group, they'll defend well. It has to be the guys on the other end. They have to score goals. If they get three or four goals, I think they're going to get through. 
doesn't seem like a lot, but it probably is. It depends on the games as well, but they get three or four goals. They're going to go through. I, it may not be, uh, uh, it, it may not be nice on the eyes in some games, but I like their talent a little better than like the Welsh and certainly Iran who all have talent, but I still think the U S gets through. It's going to be uncomfortable just like that MLS cup final, but I figure they get around to the 16 and then we'll see what goes on from there. It will be uncomfortable. <laughs> More know, suffering, like, Andrew. Uh, we know that this is going to be stressful, fun, but so, so very stressful. Um, you know, you're right. Like a lot of the focus and attention about this squad has been looking at the back um, center back situation um, goalkeeping, which is Violet, one of the stories is that Tim Ream is making this squad. And I mean, we don't know for sure, but for someone who hasn't been called in, that'd be really interesting, but it seems to, seems to be the, the, the case that he is making the squad. Yes. There are some reports going around that Tim Ream's on there, not wow. confirmed, but there was enough out there that would say from reputable sources saying that he's probably making the squad. Amazing. Um, and, and by the way, I would say the right move. I mean, that's something that I've kind of been, I've, I've been parroting that for a while now that it just seemed, you know, like I, I, if I tried to take myself out of being an American fan and like in this kind of bubble of, of what I think of this team and, and MLS and all that stuff, if I remove myself from that and put myself in like the head of a, of a English Premier League fan, you know, they're watching Fulham week in, week out. And they see this guy, you know, Tim Ream, who's been there forever. He, they see him wearing the captain armband. They see Fulham are ninth. They're defending well. And they must think, you know, they'll look at it and say, what? He's not English. What is that guy? Oh, he's American. And they think, oh, I'm not going to look forward to seeing him at the World Cup. And then you you talk to yeah. an American. Oh, oh, wait, he's he's not on their team. Well, they oh, that's they probably have a bunch. You know, they have guys in the Bundesliga. Oh, oh there's no. Well, who do they have? Oh, two two MLS guys. That's who's keeping a captain of a of the ninth place team on a Premier League team off of the American roster. Like it, again, it, that's so reductive. There's obviously way more to it than just that. Um, style of play age all that kind of stuff factors in but like it is it is one way of looking at it where you're like yeah why why is he not being considered so to hear now that there's rumors out there that he's on the team like he he should be he should be on the team he's still really good and like a leader and uh you know so yeah I'm, and, I, that's a good point because it, it's such a young team and I, yeah. most world cup teams have veteran bring a guy who's in his mid-30s who's been there and salty old veteran i that's not a bad thing in this case i think and people the players on that team know him they've all at least been on a camp or something along with him because he was there last year so it's not completely out of the blue it makes a lot of sense i hope it is sure. confirmed here by wednesday yeah that's fascinating but what you say about um you know looking at the the front line the attack for this team it's true because there's not you know for, for whatever talent they have up there they are not producing bushels of goals like that's just not for whatever reason, I'm sure there's any number of reasons. That's not necessarily a hallmark of this team. It's why, you know, we focus a lot, justifiably so, on Polisic, Brendan Aronson, Gio Reyna. Um, you know, those guys up front grab a lot of headlines. But, like, it's funny, Max, when you go back and think about how World Cup qualifying went for this team and you start going back and you look at highlights from games, 
Tim Weah is at the center of a lot of big moments and big yeah. goals for this team. I think they went through a stretch where he was responsible. It was over a few games where he was re- in some way had a hand in like six of the last seven goals that they had scored, whether it had been assisting, scoring them. There was one where it was credited with an own goal against Costa Rica, but he made the whole thing happen. Um, and sometimes it's weird. You get these guys who, for whatever reason, like they're, they're country over club guys where, you know, they kind of outperform whatever they do domestically. They, they find another level for their country. And I just, I don't know if we're assigning X factors, I guess he's one for me. Cause he does not grab the headlines in the way a lot of those other guys do, but I mean, he puts on that U S shirt and he's been vital for them. I, I feel so much more comfortable with him there. And uh, just the goal situation. I, I, I know, look, Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman is not the ideal pairing. Uh, Zimmerman, and I think Zimmerman and kind of gets dragged down a little bit. They're very similar players. So I don't think it really makes sense to have them both. That's why I love Miles Robinson. Zimmerman. They just were like the yin and the yang. They kind of just, they, I'll do this, you do this. It's hard to find that. They kind of really got lucky, the U.S., they struck gold. Aaron Long is in a stopgap kind of fill in there. Uh, I'm more confident in him than most. I'm not confident. I just don't see the, the other options. Um, as much better even though they might be to stir up the uh the apple cart for for greg berhalter considering he has these two guys in this camp and he gets to play them a little bit but those four friendlies since qualifying uh uruguay morocco japan saudi arabia they did not score goals in three of them so i mean those that's kind of i know those are friendlies and those japan saudi arabia games they're like you know empty stadiums and i get the feeling this young team needs that oomph you know they need a crowd they need it so as most i think they want to feel like they're at a world cup that must have felt like a million miles away so i, I give them a pass on that but just goal scoring chances in, in general weren't really flourishing but i know they can turn it on and i have faith in these guys but they're going to need to score but if they give up goals at the other end three and out it's not going to be it's not going to be a fun uh fun week yeah uh and i mean they like they should have the talent to do it like they, you know, I know there are some people who say this is the most talented U.S. squad ever assembled. I mean, it's hard for me to get to that place just yet. I kind of like I can see the potential for that, um, but I sort of need to see them do it in a World Cup before I'm ready to make any kind of big proclamation like that. But I mean, you do look at, you know, you can't help but sort of get a little swept away by, you know, where these guys are playing and, and you know, the the impact that they have on their teams. It's uh, you know, for me, health has a lot to do with it. If we are, if the U.S. are getting a a healthy Gio Reyna, then I I think the world of his skill set and what he brings is something different than you know pretty much anyone else on this team. Christian Pulisic, when he's, I mean, we see him when he's right on his day, when he's in form, he's one of the most difficult players to contain. I mean, it's so easy for me to envision him drawing a key penalty. Like he's, I remember. I think it was Joe Gomez at Liverpool who gave an interview after uh, they had played Chelsea a couple years ago. And uh, somebody asked him, who's the most difficult player that you've had to defend this season. And he said, Pulisic because of his speed, because of how kind of slithery he is when he gets into the box. So he can be that guy. We all know that. Um, we just haven't had the chance to see it week in week out as often as we would have liked in his, in, in playing for his club team. So, I mean, they, they can do it. Like, I know that they can, we just, you know, we have to see them now put it together and actually, actually make it happen. Well, we'll see. We, we can talk till we're blue in the face, but we'll get a good idea November 21st. And we will, I mean, if they somehow get a victory uh, 
in uh, the game against Wales. Uh, it's a pretty good chance they're going through. I mean, that seems like the best bet to do it uh, to, with England and Iran coming up. And, you know, Iran's going to be a grind and England's England. But uh, if they lose or they tie, it's obviously not uh, a death sentence or they are going to get the last rights. But we'll see how they're able to go on from there. But I would highly uh, encourage them to get what they can against the Welsh national team. Although now we've kind of awoken Gareth Bale. We've, we've, we've been our own worst enemy. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the moment that he's been waiting for, for literally years, right? This was always, this was always the gripe that Real Madrid supporters had is that, you know, it was, what was, what was the sign Wales golf Madrid in that order? Like, I mean, so here we are, like, this is his moment to kind of like, you know, to reconcile that. So uh, yeah, it's they're all the all these games. This is not an easy group. Like this is going to be really difficult to negotiate. Um, so who knows? But I'll tell you what, because I, I know you said before that um, you look at quarterfinals as a potential realistic expectation. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: if they get out of the group, um, whatever that round of sixteen matchup is, it won't be easy. But in terms of who they'll be pairing, it won't be impossible. It won't, it's not yeah. right. It's not necessarily one of the giants. It's not like they're going to be looking at Brazil or Argentina or Spain or France. Like, it, you know, it's what is it? Senegal, Qatar, Netherlands and Ecuador. Um, and yeah. So and we, and we don't know how that group's going to look. So we could be competing for first place. And all of a sudden something weird happens there. And it's a tightly contested and Senegal wins it or Ecuador wins it. And like, and you're a second place team in group B. You're like, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. And now by we the know, way, we know Argentina is going to win their group. We know Brazil is going to win their group, right. et cetera. And by, I'm not saying that like those will be easy. If, if Senegal wind up paired against us in a round of 16 matchup, they'll be saying, Oh good. We got the U S it could have been so much more difficult. So I fully, I'm fully aware of that. I'm self-aware enough to know the perception of us from other nations uh, around the world. Uh, but you know, like I said, it's not, we will not be facing one of the, the true giants of the sport either. So the, they'll have a shot. I, see. I don't want to, we'll have plenty to talk about, but I'm curious about how countries look at this U S team. If they're like, yeah, that's the one they want. I would imagine they, they're, they're not doing backflips because they know it's there's talent there and they probably want to face somewhere else, but who's to know, but is that a, a favorable matchup uh, or is it, is it perilous in many ways? We'll find out. Champions League draw. I, this thing was amazing. I would love to get your thoughts on what stood out in a Champions League draw where we get oh. Bayern PSG, we get Liverpool Real Madrid. So those were two Champions League finals recently. And here they are again. And then even a Chelsea Dortmund, which has a little more appeal for us here in the U.S. This could be one of the biggest Champions League matchups for American viewers with Reyna, who's playing more and more for that club. It looks like he's he's embedded as a starter we'll see how it looks obviously when uh march rolls around um in 2023 and again it's i, I even a benfica bruges because benfica wasn't supposed to win and they get club bruges uh who i would I, I like benfica a lot but i'm sure bruges would have preferred benfica over manchester city or real madrid or what have you a lot sticks out there i'm i PSG Bayern is is insanity. Obviously, Liverpool still a very capable team, but not the same Liverpool from last year or two years ago. But Bayern and PSG are in fantastic form. And basically what we said, too, about coming back from the World Cup, granted, this will be a little further down and guys would have been able to recover. But who knows how that looks in the months leading? What stood out for you of uh, what we're going to see other than we're all very excited for a variety of reasons to see the round of 16 in the Champions League? 
So the, the main one for me, I mean, you just touched on it. I, obviously, Liverpool-Real Madrid is kind of, I guess that's the glamour fixture. Two truly historic clubs coming off of just having met each other in a Champions League final. Like, absolutely. But for, for me, it's the one you said before that, the PSG-Bayern one. Just because, you know, I just think about, okay, when that is all said and done, what will the loser of that matchup be thinking? Like that, like one of those two teams is going to be out of the Champions League in the round of 16. That's guaranteed. You know, and, and these are two teams that both, whether it's, it's rational or not, I think it is, they both fully believe that they're capable of winning this tournament. And one of them will be gone in the round of 16. Now, I think about it from PSG's perspective. Like this whole PSG project, it's not based around winning league on. It's entirely <laughs> based around winning the Champions League. They've gotten close, but more often than not, their Champions Leagues have been marred by disappointment. And so what they do, they went out, they ensured the fact that they could keep Mbappe with this group when he was being, you know, lured by Real Madrid. And then last year they went out and got Lionel Messi, you know, and again, not to win Liga. It's not about that. It's about this. Uh, if they go out in the round of 16 in a year where, I mean, you look at the way Messi's playing right now, he's turned back the clock. Like anybody that thought last year was the beginning of the end, Messi has shown everyone, uh-uh, there's still a lot left there. He's been, he's been transcendent, like what we know him to be. He's been that once again. If they go out in the round of 16, I, I don't know what you say anymore about PSG. It, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of like an if not now when sort of feel. And now they, they're going to have to negotiate Bayern at this stage in the competition. That's brutal. I mean, that is just brutal. And then the other one that, that you mentioned too, I thought was fascinating. Um, what Benfica did in the group stage was was really eye-opening. Yeah, I think, I think they got a shot to go pretty far. And, and now the draw even helps them. That's the thing is like, you know, they were excellent. They were kind of the darlings of the group stage. You know, everybody sort of took notice of what was going on there, but you think, okay, well, that was fun. But now, now they really link up with the big boys. Well, not yet. I mean, Club <laughs> Bruges, credit, credit to them. I mean, they had a great group stage to get out and, and get into the knockout round. That's phenomenal for them. But if you're Benfica, you're thinking, well, I mean, our, our road has sort of been paved right to the quarterfinal. Not that they're looking past them, but you know, now you look at that and say, this is, this is going to get serious for them. I mean, there, there's a really good shot that this team that was so hot through the group stages is going to make some noise even deeper into the knockout round. So yeah, those, those two were really interesting to me. It's uh, as good as uh, the round of 16. Cause look, you always want to get, you want a great final, but if you can get a couple finals in the round of 16, which was unheard of not too long ago, which we pretty much do. No one would be surprised if Liverpool, Real, or Bayern, PSG would make a final because they already have uh, in recent years. So uh, it's it's fantastic. Well, the PSG story, I'd love for to see them lift it. I, I I think they've been working at it so long. I'd love to see them have closure, but Manchester City as well. And for Pep, uh, I hope they all they have their moment, but not of them all. Not any of them will. Andrew Gundling of Caught Offside, the number one podcast, soccer podcast in all the land. Check it out. It's great between him and JJ Devaney and uh, you'll get all your information. Have you ever been this busy with soccer? I mean, we need, we need a break. We, uh, I don't know where it's coming. probably here at Christmas time, but we need to decompress. I'm looking forward to that, but I will miss the lunacy. Yeah, this is, this is probably, you're right. I hadn't actually even really stopped to We've think. We've never about seen it, anything but, like this. We've well, never well, seen yeah, anything like When this. I think about, like the the freneticness of this club season like this is not just any ordinary club season like they're playing there's it's it's a midweek fixture every single week 
and that brushing right up against a, a world cut. Yeah, that I don't I actually don't know that it like literally could get more busy than this. I think this is like actually like it's it's so busy you won't see it again. It's like that level of of craziness, which is I mean, it's fun. Like as a fan, it's you're getting a ton of soccer at a really high level. So yeah, I mean, I, it, it has its drawbacks in certain areas, but it's you also kind of have to just embrace this this ride because it's it is a lot of fun. Yeah, it, even going back to the pandemic where we had to accelerate everything and we kind of caught up and now we got this. So maybe we'll miss it. Maybe we'll want more football, but I, I would like the players and the coaches to have a moment. I know Thibaut Courtois said, he goes, I need, I can't be doing this all the time. I want to see my family. I haven't seen my yeah. kids in nine months. No, you are. He didn't a, say that. A, he didn't say that. You are a robot way. designed to play soccer and nothing more. Get back on the field. Yeah. How dare you speak out of order? Yeah. Andrew, I hope we can have a, a, another conversation, maybe over a frosty cold one or a hot tea, depending on the, uh, the hour of the day. But again, look forward to, to hearing you guys and what you have uh, uh, in store moving forward. And, uh, having great conversations about the beautiful game, intelligent, funny, real conversations. Great stuff, man. I, I enjoyed this a lot and hope to do it again soon. Thanks so much. Uh, Andrew Gundling, uh, no stoppage time this week. Uh, we'll be back uh, middle of the week to break down the U.S. roster. Uh, again, Soccer OG World Cup Daily. You can check it out throughout the World Cup. Simulcast on my YouTube, Max Pretos. Uh, until we see you next time, Placido Domingo.